Welcome to the Cape Brennan Harding Music Podcast. How are you? I hope you're well wherever you're listening. Oh, it's really dull here, but it's kind of nice looking out over the green. The green fields and over to that golf. There's a golf um, golf course a couple of, well, probably about a kilometre away, but I can see it clearly directly from the window. And I don't know, I just, I really want to go to the golf course. And there's a tree I've been looking at for months and I just want to go and sit at that tree. Probably a bit ridiculous, but uh, that's what I want to do. Anyway, I also read a book. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I read a book. Okay, I was, um, I had to write a book, or re- write a book. I had to read a book for a book review that I was doing. And I find that if I'm told that I have to do it, that's good. Because otherwise I have about 20 books on the go, uh, various chapters gotten through. Um, my ADHD <laughs> test has not happened yet. But, you know, there, there are signs that this is possibly what happens for me. But anyway, um, the book I read was by Nuala O'Connor and it was a reimagining of Nora Barnacle's life. So it's very closely mirroring the timeline of her life with James Joyce um, from her very first encounter with him in um, in Finn's Hotel back in Bloomsday, 16th of June. But uh it was a really, I, w- I was really, do you ever read a book and halfway through you're like, you're raging and you're like, no, I can't, I can't cope with this book. And uh, then the next half I was like, okay, I really get it now. And it was really, really good. So what I could say is I would totally recommend it, but you might be frustrated at the circumstance that Nora finds yourself in with James Joyce um, traipsing across Europe, you know. I guess what annoyed me was that not too much has changed in terms of there are still men and women who take advantage of, of, um, just take advantage of the system, I suppose, and take advantage of the person that they're with and the person who um, trusts them and loves them. Because Joyce, he may or may not have had quite a drinking problem, shall we say. Uh, and it's very evident um, how it impacts Nora in the book. But anyway, it was great. Um, so back to the podcast. Um, what else happened? Oh, yeah, I had I'm saying this excitedly, but I had a few days of feeling really lonesome for friends. Just the want and the need to see people who know me and, you know, people reflect each other back at each other and that peace and that there's like I think there's part of ourselves just connect and feel kind of elevated when we see people that are our friends. And it's been quite a while since I've seen my actual friends in Dublin or around the country. So I just had a a few days of feeling a bit lonesome Um, not lonely, just you know, it was good. It's it's good to acknowledge the missing of them because I guess I've been burying my head in the sand and just getting on with things, which, again, is a bit of a, a coping mechanism. So, yeah, um, it's good to feel that stuff. Um, but then I went into complete and usher anxiety and overwhelm about actually seeing my friends <laughs> because that's that's how my brain works. Anyway, it was also the week where two German men decided to launch a product called Pinky, which was a pink glove with a heart on it. Okay, so the whole reason that it was invented was that so people who have periods would no longer be stuck having to deal with that with just their hands. Like, honestly, think about that for a second. Okay, and the photo shoot for it and their Instagram page is hilarious. It's these guys just going pinky and then they they have a video promotion, which is a woman wearing an all white summer dress. I mean, anyone who has their period is not going to wear white anyway. Um, And she's stuck sitting on the toilet because she can't get her tampon out. And you're just like, okay, lads, you didn't research this enough. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was 
mental. But I also still don't know. I still don't know if it's a joke or if it was for real. You can check them out at pinky dot or pinky underscore uh, glove on Instagram. And it's just I just think it's a bit mad anyway. Um, so with all of that in mind and all of that variety of bonkersness that, uh, you know, jumped out at me this week, I have decided that the podcast is going to be very varied too. And I hope you stick with me for all of it. I'm going to have brand new music from LK. Uh, we are Aerials, Ships, Orlegartland and loads more. But my guest this week on the podcast is Leagues O'Toole. Leagues is a music journalist, broadcaster and one of Ireland's best known concert promoters. Leagues has been working with Aiken Promotions until the pandemic hit. He was responsible for some of the best acts we brought to our shores, including The National and Future Islands and so much more. Um, he, alongside two others, has set up his own concert promotion company. It's not just concert promotion. There's going to be podcasts and lots of other directions that the company's going to go into. Um, it's called Foggy Notions. And uh, myself and Leeks chat about their great return to live music because, let's face it, he's somebody who is firmly at the forefront of bringing back live music when we're able to return. He's going to talk to me about how he dealt with the devastation of losing his work. And um, we chat about the importance of gender balance on lineups. And he also tells me about um, the time he met David Bowie and he has a really good story, a memorable night on the town with Marky e. Smith from the fall. As always, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Um, you're joining what is a growing listenership for me, which really does make my heart swell. It's like, oh my God, more people are listening. Um, and what's lovely I see is that more people are listening. And then when I see a jump in numbers, people are going and consuming the other episodes too, which is great. They're all available up on Spotify anyway, obviously, because you're probably listening to this on Spotify. So that was stating the obvious. Anyway, um, what I do is I can't play the songs in full on this podcast. So I mix tracks together in blocks and I tell you about the tracks and the artists before and afterwards. But there's a full playlist for every episode on Spotify under Kate Brennan Harding. Um, but please support the artists you discover by buying their album or single or some merchandise. Every single piece of money that goes to the artist helps them, especially in this time when there's no live music. OK, so I've also I've fallen. In, what else have I done? I've done a lot this week. I've fallen in love with a new band. I, this is a regular occurrence. Um, I'm polyamorous about bands. Uh, so I'm starting the pod with two samples of how good they are. I, I really think they're great. Uh, they're a band called The Lounge Society. They're from Yorkshire in the UK. And surprise, surprise, they're being produced by a man with a golden touch, Dan Carey. It seems anything he produces, bar maybe a couple of things, maybe two or three things I'm not into. Like, for example, I'm not really into Black Midi, which everybody else is. I'll probably catch up and like them in about five years time that usually is the rule with me um if I don't get something it's about five years later I go oh I get it now but anyway back to the lounge society um the first track was out a while back it's called burn the heather um they're a political loud edgy punk band and a total tonic for my ears so let's go with burn the heather Poisonous 
ideals on the screen Read a vicious way of thinking Fontaine's DC with Boys in the Better Land. Also produced by Dan Carey, who produced both Doggerel, which is celebrating two years old this week. I cannot believe that. Uh, and A Hero's Death, which was just out a short while ago. Well, a year ago. Um, God, it really does feel like a lot longer, I imagine. <laughs> anyway, in the middle was a second track by my latest crush, The Lounge Society, called Kane's Heresy. And I'm really excited to see what happens for them. I know the opening link I realised was seven minutes long. It was just me rambling. Um, but thanks for staying with me. OK, time for some alternative pop from Ireland. This is LK. She's due to release an EP in May. And this track, Girls Like You and Me, is a proper catchy pop tune. She says she threw away her rule book when writing it. And I think it's great. And just when I thought that my heart was full, I found places that I never explored. You're so fascinating, I can't remember the last time I was born. I don't want to know what would have happened if I never had your love. I don't even got myself before. 
Okay, that is my song of the week. That's Orla Gartland with Zombie. About how an ex of hers couldn't express his feelings despite wanting to. And uh, it's a song about male repression, really. Uh, That's for my friend Kyle, who (laughs) anytime Orla releases anything, he just sends me a big massive message in capitals. Orla Gartland, that is all. So um, Orla, Kyle is your super fan, if you're listening. Sandwich in the middle, Daddy Frere, with their Eurovision entry this year uh, called 10 Years. If you haven't seen the video to that and you remember Power Rangers, you have to go and, uh, in fact, turn the podcast off right now. Go press pause and go watch the video for it. It's absolutely brilliant, especially if you have kids in the house. It's such a great video. Everything they do is great. Okay, so it's time. It is the moment uh, where I dip into, well, we're going to dip into my chat with Leagues O'Toole. Um, the audio is a little bit dippy, <laughs> like me. Um, but uh, the music I feature within the interview is from Music Town. Music Town is a festival that's taking place right now. It started uh, on the 15th of April and it's going on until the 25th of April. Music Town originally was about using different venues in Dublin. It's through Dublin City Council um, and bringing all genres together. But obviously with the second year in the pandemic, They've gone online. They went online last September and Leagues tells us that, well, they decided to go again online and normally it runs in April. So it's great that it's back in its normal slot. The lineup is cool. There's Kathy Davy live from the Pepper Canister. There's Crash Ensemble doing lots of different, um, it's called Reactions. There's lots of different people involved and uh, lots of different commissions of pieces created. Uh, there's Fears, who's releasing her debut album. There's Adrian Crowley, who I love, and he's done this um, amazing video piece. Uh, Leagues will tell us all about that in a second. And uh, it's going to be going from his house, which is cool. And there's also this really cool new work with David Kitt. So I would um, go check out musictown.ie and see what the lineup what is left there for you to have a look at and support it. Grab a cuppa in the meantime and jump in on mine and Leek's chat. Hope you enjoy. So, um, you're listening to the Kate Brennan Harding Music Podcast. Um, Leek's O'Toole of Foggy Notions, thank you so much for joining me on the Kate Brennan Harding Music Podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me, Kate. Um, it's great to see you. I know nobody else can see you in this moment, but it's actually lovely to see you. You know, it's the thing of like, oh God, I haven't seen anybody. So it's like, oh, look, it's a person. <laughs> well, you actually complimented my hair um, when we first uh, jumped online here. Yeah. And that's been one of my kind of, because I do a lot of Zoom conversations, obviously, with people. Um, I've become really sick of looking at how ridiculous it is. But thank <laughs> you for complimenting it and making me feel slightly less bad about the absolute state of it. I, I have to say, like our, our listeners, my listeners can't see, but like, you know, everybody is going on, particularly, I think, men um are going or anyone that has short hair not just men do you know like I have short hair but I'm cutting my own hair so I'm kind of just sticking to the one style but I think anybody that uh has not been able to get to the barbers is looking at themselves going I I look like someone from the 1930s you know there's a lot of that look going on accidentally but you you look suitably suitably windswept and nice and it's a good I've I've walked past a few people in town and they haven't recognized me and I'm thinking, is it because I'm wearing a mask or is it because of my ridiculous hair? <laughs> I think there's definitely that going on. People are not recognizing anyone. And like you see as well, some artists, it's like, you know, they've always had the same haircut. And next thing you're like, well, I didn't know that their hair was actually completely curly or it's down to their shoulders, <laughs> yeah. or you know. But uh, 
yeah we won't know what to do with each other when um when we all can actually meet up properly like um i think the masks have been sort of handy for just not like i like smiling at people but like or, or you know acknowledging people and you forget that people can't see you but when we go back to normal myself and my partner were in Galway City recently and we were in the chemist and I have lost the run of myself because a song came on and I started singing it at the top of my voice and dancing around in the chemist and then remembered I was in public so there's going to be a lot of that going what, on. what song was it do you know what I think um I it, it was on 2FM it was Jenny Green and I I actually don't it was a old school 90s track that I think I haven't heard since I went to a teenage disco but I knew all the words and instantly started dancing so Brilliant. yeah but um yeah there's going to be a lot of that I think but come here come back to you we've we, mm -hmm. we've we've been over a year now no live music you yeah. have um set up your own uh, company foggy notions you were previously with Aiken and obviously the pandemic has seriously affected your world do you want to let us know a little bit about that? And a little bit, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people listen to the podcast that don't really understand what promoters are doing so much and what bookers do. So would you just say, I suppose, talk us through a little bit of what your world was like just before the pandemic and now and how you've had to, you know, change completely, really? Yeah, when I was working, I was working with Acon Promotions up until April of last year, and I'd been there almost 10 years Um you know, working away as a promoter, which is a pretty intense enough job as it is. It's a sort of a bit of a 24-7 job, just constantly booking, producing, uh, you know, doing all the little sort of, um, you know, putting deals together, making offers, making pitches, booking festivals, et cetera, et cetera. You know, probably working with three to 400 different artists over a period of a few years. So it was a fairly intense job. And then it just stopped. Uh, I was made redundant, uh, as were the majority of my of my colleagues, and of course many many thousands of people right across the music industry and and the associated uh, industries um, that uh, that relate to the music industry mm. and the arts, arts landscape in general. I mean, initially we, you know, no one had any idea, obviously, how long the whole thing was going to last. So I think for the first couple of months, um, it was a case of yeah, well, it'll be back in place before the end of the year and we'll just sort of, you know, have to adapt until then. And then obviously the sort of the longevity of the pandemic became more and more <clears throat> of, a, of a reality and um, we had to cope with that, you know. But the initial, you know, kind of, there was some anticipation that we would lose our jobs and then it happened. Just, we were kind of ready for it, but I, was, I also felt kind of a bit shocked that it, that it was all real and was happening. Mm. I felt, you know, pretty depressed about it um for a while spent a couple of weeks in bed mm. thinking you know what i want to do is sleep yeah, and um, i hear you yeah like a lot of people i think and then just had to get out of bed one day and call the people who, who i worked with all the agents um you know in in, in the uk and europe and, and the states and so on and and say look i, I would like to actually i've slept on this mm -hmm. so, and I would actually like to continue being a promoter. You know, I was an independent promoter before and there's no reason why I can't be one again. And everyone was really, really receptive to that. And, and um, you know, the relationships I have with the artists I work with are great. Mm. And that was reassuring. And so, you know, we plowed on and I, you know, I continued working. I never really stopped working because there was a mountain of rescheduling to be done. It was a pretty difficult situation to be in because you're not earning any money, no job on the PUP. 
but you have all this rescheduling to be done and that involves you know uh, ticket companies and artwork and finding veils and venues and there's a lot to it and it's a full-time job so i plowed on with that and you know after a couple, couple of months of this i really thought you know horrible as the pandemic is and as serious as it is and as kind of down about the, my own personal situation as i am this is an opportunity it is an opportunity to start again it's an opportunity to build something that you probably would have you potentially have a lot more autonomy over and also you know i have much broader interests uh, than just music I have, a, I have a huge interest in um, in the arts right across the board yeah and that maybe i could set up a company a platform that was more of a culture agency and it didn't just promote concerts although i would keep doing that that it would be an opportunity to work on films and podcasts and different types of festivals and cross-disciplinary events um which i'd already been doing a little bit with music town we can talk about that in a, in a while but mm. instead of plugging notions i i i I brought two of my friends into it, uh, two very, very, very close friends who I felt had something that they could really, they had sort of qualities that could contribute to what I was trying to achieve. Um, my friends, Julie Cooper and David Conathan. And, um, and we formed this company and um, we, um, yeah, we're just, we're just working. We built a website, you know, we thought, let's have a house, let's have an online place, a home online uh, that we can kind of collate all the different things that we want to do. Let's get the gigs up and running. Let's get everything rescheduled that needs to be rescheduled. Let's get new stuff in place. And, you know, the, the, aside from the rescheduling, every artist in the world wants to play live and they want to play live over the next couple of years. And everyone I work with wants to play live. So everyone was like, when can we play? And, and so we started, so, you know, putting shows together. Like we've a lot of shows that haven't been announced that are going to happen in 2022, 2023. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, that's a difficult process as well because I'm I'm dealing with a lot of people in 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 England, where everything is like, yeah, let's go, we're ready let's to go. go. We're yeah, back in the pubs, we're opening the clubs, we're opening the venues, and I'm and I'm like, it's not quite as simple as that over here. There's not so much of a roadmap, and there's a lot of mishaps and hitches regarding vaccinations. And you know, my mother is 75, and she's just been vaccinated last week. I'm talking to people in their 30s who are already vaccinated, yeah. uh, you know, in the UK. So it's tricky. Um, try not try, try not to put a dampener on things, but kind of go, I don't know when Ireland's going to be ready. I don't know if we're going to be ready in September. I don't yeah. even know if we're going to be ready in September. I'm hoping we are. Um, and everyone's ready to go, but it's a, just a sort of, it's a waiting game. We're just in sort of a holding pattern, I think, for quite some time, you know. And for you... Like, you know, you've got gigs lined up in the Ivy Gardens with Caribou. You've got stuff then later on in the year with Agnes O'Bell and John Grant, I think, in the National Concert Hall. Is that the right venue? Yeah. yeah. Um, but for you as a promoter, so you put it out there. You've created the posters. People have bought the tickets, which is obviously, you know, incredible because you need people to invest in, in these events happening yeah. down the line. Um, yeah. But, you know, when, how do you make the call? Because, you know, we can see probably realistically that some stuff is going to have to be rescheduled again. And, you know, that's just, it's, it's just constantly um, pushing yourself out there and just waiting. And what, what do you think, like, you know, there's people who are buying tickets and there's a lot, I have a lot of friends who purchase a lot of concert tickets and they've, you know, they're buying up, like, I think dry cleaning are the biggest buzz at the moment, but they're buying, buying stuff for dry cleaning, buying stuff for um, rolling coastal blackout fever, you know, like there's just tons of support, but where do you go? with having to reschedule again and do you, uh, one of the questions i want to ask you actually is 
when the gigs come back, do you think it will be a case of um, doing antigen tests, doing tests um, with concert goers before they attend? Do you think there's something like that you might have to look at? It might be, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with that. Um, if that's what it takes, you know, I'm fully on board with, 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 with doing whatever, whatever we need to do uh, in terms of, of, of making it all happen again. I, I mm. don't know, just have to sort of, I just have to sort of wait and see what sort of guidelines are, are presented to us. Um, what I'd say about the rescheduling is I've rescheduled some concerts four times yeah. Uh, at this um, and um, all I'll say is are the artists actually sort of dying in the meantime or disappearing um, the shows will happen eventually um, mm. so if you bought a ticket please hang on to it because promoters and artists really need the audience to persevere as much as we've had to um, it's an investment uh, in you guys it's an investment in live music yeah. buying those tickets isn't it yeah yeah i mean thankfully in ireland i don't think there's been too many casualties uh fingers crossed you know a couple of venues have closed i know the kino and court closed but i think mm. for the most part everyone seems to be still ready to go and still operational in some way um so hopefully we can we can just kick back into action and um i think there'll probably be a little bit of a boom for, for a period of time. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an economist or anything like that. And I mm. don't know what's going to happen in terms of global recessions and stuff like that. But I feel certainly in Ireland for a couple of years, we might have a little bit of a boom in terms of concerts and gigs. Um, I think there'll be a renewed appreciation. Uh, you know, it's probably something we all take for granted in Ireland. It's a, it's a weird country and music is like oxygen to us over here and going to concerts. It's just sort of, you know, second nature it's just like it's it's something a lot of people do every week um and we probably do take that for granted a little bit um so it'd be nice if we all re-entered it with a kind of um a fresh sort of uh palette and and a sense of uh rejuvenation and appreciation for for music and and, and for the arts and just sort of really we've also we've just we spent a year and probably amounted two years looking at screens and being on our phones and, and, and looking at Netflix and looking at live streams and, and, and just staring at screens and staring at screens and conversations. It'll just, won't it just be great to sort mm. of be in a venue with people and, and not looking at your phone and, and, and looking at real life people on a, on a stage and just appreciate, appreciating something that seemed, seemed so simple once that it became very, very complicated. It became a very, very complicated aspect of society, yeah. actual contact um in real life in the same room contact to so just appreciate that again will be really really interesting um i know i think i'm going to um i think i said this a while back uh i'm what i think i'm five foot three i don't really know but i think that there's things that would drive me mental about live gigs like there's always someone who six foot six manages to stand in front of me and there's yeah. always um about five different people who are way taller than me at a bar and i can't get my drink and i don't care i would give it all i would be like yes i'll just stand there i'll, I'll just want to be out <laughs> you know experiencing other people and you know there's definitely yeah, going to yeah. be a sense of a better appreciation and patience like i've always loved the music side of things and the friendships that you can make and the smiley eyes of people but you know I'm even just going to be like I think people will be kinder 
And I think as Irish concert goers, we are actually really sound usually. But I think people yeah. will, be, will be even kinder and more aware of, of all the people around us because that's what we've been missing, that energy, you know? I'm kind of thinking about the moments where the first concert I go to or the first concert that I promote happens mm. and the moment when the artist walks on stage. Oh, yeah. And the feeling that might be in the room and the reaction the audience might give them at that point. I'm kind of wondering what that's going to be like. I think that's going to be really, that could be really special. A really yeah. special moment. I think I think that there'll be tears anyway at some stage, you know, um, tears of like realization. I think there'll be a great weight lifted off of everybody because it is at this point where you you just kind of are like, yeah, we're all just plowing on and getting on with things. And sometimes, you know, mentally it's not okay, and other times it's just. I know for myself, I'm I've suffered definitely mentally this year, but you know, I also then have my up days where I can just focus. But uh, I think we can't understand the sense of relief that will happen when we're able to connect again. You know, um. Absolutely. But, you know, taken away from the live gigs and the fact that we have had to, you know, obviously this time last year, everybody uh, who had a guitar was doing live broadcasts using their phone. And some of them are great. And, you know, you tuned in, but then you got fatigue on them. I definitely had complete fatigue on them. I didn't want to go near anything. Um, And then you started to see this beautiful collaboration happening between filmmakers, photographers, musicians, backline staff, promoters, um, partly to do with funding, you know, that the government put through, but also just mainly to do with people wanting to get their art out there and getting, you know, okay, how do we people keep people engaged? And I was involved in stuff where I was looking at it going, these are like miniature television shows. It's not just good enough to have even their amazing you know, musician, it's, it's, we have to engage by doing little, little bits that the audience don't recognize that's keeping them entertained. And Music Town pivoted, and I'm using that word again, pivoted, but Music Town pivoted last year and you rescheduled to 2020, September 2020. So you did it once and now Music Town is back. So tell us about Music Town as well. There's a lot of people mightn't understand what it is. It's through Dublin City Council and you're the creative director and it's all about promoting live mm-hmm. music and different across different yeah. genres. But you yeah. are now online and creating something different. Yeah, well, I just, I just first of all, I think that's a really interesting point that you've made there because I think in terms of producing online events, whether they're actually live streamed or pre-recorded for broadcast, but we've we've learned very very rapidly over the past twelve months how to do that mm. and how to bring it, as you say, from the sort of garden shed standard to something really really. Um, enthralling online that can compete with terrestrial television that can compete with what's on your phone can compete with netflix and so on and and by doing that we've had to bring in filmmakers uh camera operators directors um people who work in in it and who understand the internet and understand broadcasting online and that's been really interesting we've learned on our feet and, and i think that that's a really really good point you've made and something that we i think will carry with us you know post um, Music Town is, a, is an event conceived by the Arts Office at Dublin City Council, uh, the Arts Office there, Ray Yates. Um, four or five years ago, I think Ray made a decision that he wanted to um, focus a little bit more about music. Uh, there was a lot of funding being directed towards theatre and uh, literary events at the time, and he wanted to do something that was about music and that could just basically be a platform to represent how music exists in all its different forms and genres within Dublin City. Uh, so we, so I started working on that, and then through the years we sort of tried to refine um, the the themes and the ideals behind it, and we talked a lot about community, 
we talked a lot about collaboration, not just within music, but outside of music with other artistic disciplines, such as theatre or visual art or uh, literature or, or whatever, and also about diversity. Um, and it became really, really good. And, 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 and the proposals, we did a call, we do a call for proposals um, every year, stage the event either around uh, in April, around Easter or just after Easter. And um, we've got loads of interesting collaborations. Um, we were able to address loads of issues around music and around performance um, in terms of um, uh, more opportunities uh, for female artists, for gender minority artists. Um, we were able to look at how music interacted with the architecture of the city in terms of buildings and venues and location. So it was a really, really fun and interesting project to work on. And I got to work with lots of different uh, producers uh, around the city. Um, and, so, and then obviously we had to postpone in April of 2020, we postponed to, to September, naively thinking everything will be fine. be fine, September. yeah. <laughs> and as we approach September, we realize it's not going to be. So we had to approach the people who we'd committed funding to and say, can your event now not involve a physical audience and be something that you make online and about three thirds of the of the program are able to do that so we plowed on we did that going into into 2021 i didn't want to push it back to september again and and and, and try and work towards let's go and go back to normal i thought let's get the funds out now let's keep creating the events let's keep yeah. this bit of money uh moving around the system and into the into the hands of producers and artists so we said look it's not going to, there's, no, there's going to be no audience in april so let's you know we know that so we outlined that in the in the call for proposals and we said let's create something that can either exist online or can exist in some other creative way without a physical audience and we got a really really incredible incredible response um and we managed to put together a, a program of about 15 16 events um most of which are online one event isn't it's a projection based project called the big mistake which is, is is taking place actually in the city projecting performances onto iconic uh, buildings in the city Basaris you know, and city hall and um and the rest is online and um i think they're going to look amazing there's a lot of really great directors involved like bob gallagher Gallery, and, yeah and bob you know as a sort of a music video maker um Real creative genius. Um, he's for written a bunch of any listeners. Bob has created music videos. I think one of my favorite music videos is one he created with Conor O'Brien at Villagers. But uh, his yeah. work is absolutely brilliant. And um, like I just like also as part of Music Town for listeners, like Paul Noonan is going to be doing something with his kids. Um, yeah. Kathy Davy live at the Pepper Canister Crash Ensemble are doing a load of different things and presenting reactions. So they've got different people joining them. Um, I'm going to be playing some Crash Ensemble stuff in a little while. Uh, Word Up Collective. I'm quite excited about that. Presents Ulysses. So Word Up Collective are um, a really cool crew featuring lots of sort of urban and hip hop kind of sounds coming from the country from all over the country really and then some spoken word stuff and adrian crowley who i think has released one of my favorite songs this year he is um doing what sounds gorgeous um a film ascension of larks so he's created an yeah. entire piece yeah he's working with a guy called mo mccann mm. um he's a really good film director as well but actually made the adrian crowley documentary called science of ghosts he also made a documentary about the scottish indie label chemical underground mm. and he he's directing it in adrian's home this piece so it's 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 going to I'm sure I haven't seen it, obviously, but it's going to look beautiful. Um, also, just another one I'd like to mention, Kate, is um, a couple of other ones. Um, 
fears. I was just uh, <laughs> I literally fears is next to the list because I was like, I'm really excited to listen to Fear's new album, which has been launched as part of Music Town, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she's amazing. And 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 Fears is relatively new new to me. I've only been talking to her. Her name is Constance. Uh, uh, came from from Dublin. Uh, She's based in London at the moment and really liked the music that I'd heard from her. And also was you know, quickly recognized that she had a really, really amazing uh, visual um, sensibility. Yeah. Makes incredible dresses uh, for her videos. And she's worked with a bunch of collaborators, um, sort of a, a actually sort of 99% female production of, of, of directors, musicians and and and. and uh, visual uh, artists to create a, a representation of, of her album Iha um, uh, in London. Um, so, so I'm really excited for that one. Fears there with her track Vines. Now we go back straight into the conversation where Leeks is talking about David Kitt and what he's getting up to as part of Music Town. And then uh, David Kitt, who who I happen to sort of sort of speak on the phone to him maybe every three months, and he's been living in Paris and he's been living in Kerry and he's been moving around doing different residencies and whatnot, and he's been talking about this project that he's been working on with Kevin Barry, uh, the writer who I love. I think mm. he's one of my favorite short story writers of all time. And they put together this sort of words and music concept called Cornanila about this sort of weird fictional village. And he's brought in all sorts of incredible um, musicians and filmmakers to create this piece. And they're all based around different parts of the country. It's called Cornanila. And um, uh, they, he, Jennifer Walsh is involved. He's got a really, really cool international artist who, who, who he hasn't mentioned yet, so I won't mention it, involved. Mm-hmm. And Kim and people like that. So just like loads of weird imaginative, creative, what I hope and expect to be visually beautiful um, uh, performances and, and, and films uh, as making up the program. And, and the, the point you were making about, you know, how we learn to do this, so, you know, um, on our feet is, is really interesting. And what I started thinking about last year was, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a huge benefit to this as well, because what we're doing by making these documents and these films is, um, we'll have these for, for eternity, we'll have these archives, these will be archivable documents of how the arts in Ireland reacted to a pandemic in, in, in 2020, 2021. And we'll be looking back on this stuff in 20, 30 years um, and how we suddenly learned to make this stuff and, and how we reacted to it. And I think they'll be really valuable documents, in fact, and we should continue to do this kind of work as well. Of course, we all want to get back into rooms and feel that and not have stuff that's completely offline. But this is good stuff to, for us to learn and it's good stuff to us um, for us to, to, uh, to build up this archive of documents. 
Completely. I was thinking about that myself. In fact, there was a question I, I read, I write up my questions and then the thing goes out the window. It's just, <laughs> just to have, <laughs> one of the things I was going to say was that exact thing. It's like we have this rich cultural documentation going on. Everybody's become documentary makers in the, in the, in the gap between, in the space between being able to meet, we're then creating the stuff that lives forever, really, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do think that there will be a change in the scene in that, there will be artists looking at doing things in tandem, maybe, you know, that there'll be the live music event. But then it's almost brilliant because it's more accessible to people that may not have been able to get to gigs, you know. And when I'm talking about accessible, I'm talking about people obviously who can't physically get to gigs or I'm talking to people who may be new parents or, you know, there's a, older people as well who might not like crowds, you know, there's or anybody. It doesn't have to be older people that might not like crowds anymore. But um, yeah, the new like the documentaries that will be made of the early 20s and how we, I think Ireland in particular, has um, transformed the collaborative effort uh, with art. And I think those collaborations, those people who have always worked together and always had pints at the end of other voices or whatever, I think people have formed a new network of, of, um, of understanding, but a new network that they can maybe just go, do you know what, I don't need to have a company that creates this, I know how to create this myself. So there'll be a lot yeah. more independent stuff happening when we do get out of this, I think. 100%. And it, it kind of, um, I suppose it'll, it'll maybe raise some question marks mm. um, over the sort of the, sort of the hierarchy and this, the establishment um, of, of, of the industry. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a new, it's almost like a new sense of DIY. Um, it's kind of quite punk in a way. And um, uh, if it, if it gives more autonomy and control to artists, then I think that's a really, really exciting thing. And it's not so, you know, I, I mean, personally speaking, the music industry, if you look at it as two sides, the live music industry and the recording music industry, recording music industry is, is, is at a real moment of, of crisis, mm. for obvious reasons, because um, it's dominated by streaming platforms, um, which have consolidated a, um, a really, monopolistic and unfair um, situation where only only really top tier artists are able to 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 make um, any 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 kind of real money mm. and then you've got the live music industry which took the burden of that and became this sort of uh, complete everything has to be sold out and um, you know if you don't sell out your first tour then you're not you know you're kind of on the scrap heap kind of mentality really really overly hyper hyper capitalistic and i think um if uh, this new sense of diy and if this new sense of uh, collaboration new sense of community diversity these are all very 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 positive things we can take forward mm -hmm. to maybe for artists to reclaim reclaim their world in some way and have much much more control over it yeah totally um it is a monopolization of music all right isn't it it's like i was talking um I was talking about Declan work last week but miles o'reilly as well a few weeks ago and it's about how you know it's not like we talk about radio but like you know this podcast i put it on itunes and spotify but like one of the main things i do is ask people to go and buy artists music directly or go buy merch because i need to use a platform to put myself on but i am also aware that that platform sucks the life out of um music and new music in so many capacities and um i just yeah i'm really quite hopeful for the idea that the capitalism has taken over and it's like there's only one route to success and you have to fit this one box and when say that artist um i don't know uh 
I'll mention Taylor Swift. I actually love her. Um, but like if Taylor Swift was, you know, now in 10 years time is gone, the, all the music industry I see is just try and make a carbon copy. You know, they just try and just refill, refill, refill. And I think the time for that needs to end. And, you know, like the same as with the huge concerts of promoted pop acts, and there's nothing wrong with pop, I'm a pop fan, but, but at the same time, it's just so diluted that young people coming up who maybe want to get into pop just think they have to sound the same. And that's one thing that I, I really hate. I hate the affected voices that I'm hearing so much, particularly with men. Um, and I think that started a number of years ago and it drives me insane. It's my pet peeve is this singing without an accent or, or not without an accent, with no consonants. It's, <laughs> I think when I, worked, when I worked with Paul McLoon, I called it um, inconsonant and he called it irritable vowel syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah sorry i just went off on a tangent there but it's like it's 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 so important that the diversity comes back through and i think irritable, irritable bowel syndrome is great that's got to be the title of a book or something i know you... i know i have to give that to, the credit to paul McLoon because i was inconsonant and he was irritable bowel and and i just we used to cry laughing at that you know um <laughs> be like another tracks come in yeah it's irritable bowel <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> but yeah back to the diversity and like you know music town is one of those uh, festivals online that is promoting diversity um but you yourself when you go to um foggy notions website you have mm -hmm. a very you know you, you've got a real gender uh, balance which mm -hmm. um i can hear some people going oh god don't start talking about gender balance but it's so important you know and it's so important to have mm -hmm everybody elevated and i see that with foggy notions more so than i feel see, see with other promoters and is that something that you actively uh, pursue absolutely and have been for a very long time um and one of the reasons why i'm very happy to have my own company uh, with with people not just my company obviously with with, yeah. with, with two of the people who share the same view and um and i and i know some people are tired about talking about it and that they want to kind of continue to sweep that under the under the carpet um but fuck them you know mm -hmm. um this is something we have to work towards it's not hard it's absolutely not hard now you might say okay maybe maybe i in terms of my own personal taste favor a lot of female musicians or female singers or female voices that's fair enough probably my favorite artists weigh heavily in that area um uh, likes of Alice Harding and, and 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 PJ Harvey and so on are just you know I've gone right back to to Joni Mitchell and, and, and Aretha Franklin and the, and the soul music that I grew up listening to but but what I'll say is I, you know we could we saw we see a couple of we, you know we're online we're looking at Twitter we're seeing festivals being announced for next year we're seeing oh. festivals still coming out 90% male lineups. I know joke and they'll give you this absolute uh, hogwash excuse about you, know, you, you don't understand it's so tricky it's there's you know there's only a certain amount of male artists available to us um, there's not enough female artists coming through it's not our fault we're just representing what's happening in the overall landscape it's absolute bollocks festival programmers just the same as record companies just the same as anyone in any kind of curation position absolutely can create more opportunities. This is it's a it's a, it's a historically endemic problem that goes mm. back a very very long time, as you know, and it can be addressed. It's not hard. I I could put a festival together tomorrow that was one hundred percent female or or uh, uh, gender minority lineup, and it it wouldn't it would be brilliant. It would be uh, yeah. It, so, um, 
I'm, 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 I'm sick of the same old excuses and I'm disappointed to see people putting out those lineups and I hope people react really, really badly to them. Dinosaurs and we need to leave them behind. That's pre-pandemic stuff as far as I'm concerned. We need to use, there's a lot of, I don't, I don't like to frame the pandemic as a positive experience for people because I know it's not. Mm. Um, but I think it could be a very, very good palate cleanser for, for, for culture. That's the way I'd like to to move forward. Anyway, personally, uh, I uh, I couldn't say it any better. And like you know, I I'm just so glad you said that because it is bollocks, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And you see, like yeah, I'm seeing it in the UK. I'm seeing so many festivals, and I'm seeing so many festivals with there's nothing wrong with really old bands, but you're just kind of like okay, they're they're clearly going after the nostalgia money as well, you know. But still, mm-hmm. no women on the lineup. I saw one festival I think the other day, and the only there was only Mel C on the lineup, and there was nobody else. And I think I tweeted about it, but like, oh yeah, bonkers. Um, okay, I'm going to have to let you go in a second because I know you're very busy and you were saying you've things that you've, your applications and stuff, but I wanted, while I had you, I wanted to sort of do a little bit of whimsy. And um, I wanted to ask you, because you've worked in music for, how many years have you worked in music all your life? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. More or less since I came out of school, music journalism, promotion, record companies, all of that stuff, yeah, all my life, yeah. Yeah. What is the most rock and roll thing that's ever happened to you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a very rock and roll person, to be honest. No, but if, if it's an artist, you know, if it's something, you know, something crazy or something funny, anything spring to mind? Well, I mean, I mean, I suppose I had the opportunity to, to meet some sort of serious rock and roll people through the years, but that's probably more probably more connected to my journalism than anything else. Yeah. You know, people. I was a journalist for a very long time. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, I, I was able to interview some, some, some great people. Um, uh, David Bowie stands out, you know, meeting him in person was, was, was kind of... Um, oh, wow. Was, was good. And it was, it was in the, that was in the Clarence Hotel, that interview. A lot of interviews used to take place in the Clarence. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember when it was in the 90s or whatever, but... Um, he came, I was, I arrived and I was talking to, um, to the person, I can't remember her name, had set up, she worked in Virgin, I think, Josephine Master, I yeah. set up the interview and I, I was waiting with her in the suite, in, in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in the Clarence Hotel and, and David Bowie came in, my back turned and put his arm around, came up behind me and put his arm around me, I just saw his hand on my shoulder, I didn't know who it was, it was Josephine or someone else. Turned around and it was David Bowie, and um, um, that was a real kind of. Uh, oh, I'm not really ready to do this. <laughs> 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 I'm just bald here. Uh, but I don't know rock and roll experiences. Oh, I love uh, that you must have had about 15, 20 minutes of disassociation. Do you know what I mean? Of like, I have to keep calm now, but he's just put his arms around me. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very disarming. And I remember his hair was incredibly lustrous. He, he had, it was kind of like medium length at the time. Yeah. And staring at, I don't know what age he was at that time, but you know, he wasn't young. And um, I remember just thinking there's a luster and a thickness and a density to his hair. Like that's yeah. just striking when you're up close to him. Um, but then, you know, some, some, some musicians do have that real rock star, pop star, aura about them in in real life and mm. some some are some some deliberately don't and I suppose a lot of the artists that I that I deal with sort of a, on a gig level are deliberately trying to be down to earth the whole time which they don't need to be you know I don't I don't you know I don't really care about that um, but I remember a huge 
one of my probably top five artists of all time is, is uh, PJ Harvey. And mm. I got to interview him three times in person. And every time I just felt very uneasy by her, her beauty and her aura and her presence. Yeah. And she's she just like a super polite, well-spoken person. But there was just this energy around her, which was like, you know, really quite freaky. I did myself and Eamon Sweeney, who's, uh, who you know, and is a yeah. best friend of mine. We used to run a magazine called Foggy Notions. Notions. Yeah. And, uh, we went to Manchester once to interview Marky Smith from The Fall, yeah. um, who we were both massive fans of, but very daunted about meeting because he has this sort of reputation for being, you know, really quite, quite I nasty. would be terrified of meeting. Obviously, you can't anymore, but I would be terrified. <laughs> we just spent the night on the absolute piss with him. He <laughs> insisted on meeting us in one of the Malmaison hotels because they were owned by um, Mick Hucknall from Simply Red and he got a kind of perverse kick out of that. <laughs> so we met him there. He walked in carrying a plastic bag, which was just a sort of an iconic image of him in itself, but he seemed to be sort of self-perpetuating. He handed us some seven inch of some obscure indie bands covering in cover versions of The Fall. And he said, here, I, I brought you a gift. And we were like, thank you, is it any good? And he just goes, no, it's shite. <laughs> but it carried on, the conversation went on a pub crawl. We probably took in about 10 pubs that night. At the end of the night, I mean, he was actually lovely and he always got us round in, in fairness to him. Yeah. And he was very very entertaining and he hugged us at the end of the night as we sort of dropped him off at home out of a taxi stumbled out of a taxi so um that was kind of rock and roll that's very rock and roll i love it i think a, a rock and roll another rock and roll thing for me was actually um i think it was to do with you in a strange way we were going over to interview future islands um oh. and we were brought over to the 4ad studios and um i enjoyed a little bit a lot too much uh free wine the night before and I just remember I'm sitting in this hot studio in London and I'm definitely still drunk. And the guys look at us and they were like, we were sitting on top of each other because it was so small. And I started to yeah. genuinely, I started to see stars. I was going to faint. And Sam looked at me and he was like, um, will we get some water? And I was like, yeah. And uh, he was like, I've been out all night. And <laughs> we'd emerged that we'd all been up all night, just not together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all just kind of wrecked. But uh, it was it was a kind of lovely bonding moment. And the interview was gorgeous after that. But like, yeah, yeah I the love lovely, those. The loveliest people on earth. They're so gorgeous. Like they went off and got a, a, a special first edition pressing of the of uh, seasons for and signed it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's just like so lovely. So, you know, I feel like, you know, we can be very lucky in the people that we meet. But I just had to ask you that question because I think there's yeah. so many stories that, you know, don't get talked about. Um, I'll probably think of a million when we hang up. But, oh, yeah, um, but sure, that's OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just listen. Thank you so much for joining me for taking the time. I know you're really busy at the moment. Um, Music yeah. Town is on now because this podcast is out Saturday. So it started on the 15th and it's going on for 10 days until the 25th of April. You can access all gigs and schedule by going to musictown.ie. And also incredibly important, please send, spend some time and some money and enjoy the new art um, because there's an option for people to um, help fund and buy tickets, etc. Isn't there? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Uh... We just want people to to um, to persevere with us a little bit longer. Um, you know, I just like you know probably just to say that you know we're very very hopeful of having concerts back by the end of the year. No promises on that, but that's what we're all working towards. And in the meantime, just spend your money on Bandcamp and do buy tickets because the gigs will eventually happen. I know some people are reticent and afraid to buy tickets, but it would be really helpful for everyone if if, if, if people started buying tickets again. Yeah, thank you, Leeks. Thanks very much, Kate.
for the podcast. Thank you. You're in your car, windows down, the summer heat's hitting your face, you're on your road to somewhere gorgeous with your friends. That's what I feel every time I hear this track. It's just full of possibilities and love and rejoice. I automatically just lift my hands up as soon as I hear it and I start swaying away and I look like a lunatic because I was working outside. I set up a camp chair and camp desk and I was working outside planning, you know, the podcast and doing obviously actual other work as well. Um, And every single time I was listening, I was getting stuck in a loop, putting my hands up in the air. And like when I say working outside I'm working outside in an estate in the front garden of a snake of an estate, because that's where the sun is. So, yeah, I don't care anymore. Um, it's gorgeous. That's from Future Islands. And I had to play that because obviously myself and Leagues are having a chat about them. Uh, it's a few years old now, actually. It's from their album, The Farfield, and it's called Aladdin. And it's definitely one of my favourite of their tracks. So thanks so much to Leagues for joining me. I'm re- really, really excited to see what happens with Foggy Notions and to eventually get to gigs. Um, I wish him well and everybody that's involved with Foggy Notions well. Um, and as he, as he said, go and support live music, go and buy tickets if you have the money because it's investment in the future of it, you know. Um, OK, so now to Mullingar and Cronin. Uh, this is their new track, Bank of Love. Um, I do really enjoy the sound these guys make. of love that I saved for you Got a bank of love that I'll see is through It was late on the night
our poor heartbroken family for the man on the land should not have taken the hand of the selkie who lives in the sea the sea of the selkie who lives in the sea That's Adele Mead. Isn't that mesmerising? It's a small clip from Song of the Seal from her recent album Bridget's and Patricia's. And before that, I played Galway native Tracy Bruin's new single called Better Than This. Tracy actually writes a diary in the style of a primary school kid every day. And it's just lovely little moments of niceness in the day to read. And you can find her on Instagram, Tracy Bruin. Speaking of Instagram, though, and all that malarkey, you can find me on there as Kate Brennan Harding and on Twitter at KateBHDJ. But if you'd like to be like Tracy, Adele and Cronin uh, and you'd like to send me some of your music or your tunes or a band that you know that you think are great, um, you can email KateBrennanHarding at gmail.com with a downloadable link and some info about yourself, please. Um, Okay, so I wanted to play these next two acts together because listening to them is a really gentle experience. I'm starting with the former Choice Music Prize winners, Ships, and their new track, Ode to the Ward. It was commissioned by Source Arts Centre in Turles, and the video made by Sorka from the band is mesmerising. I've used that word twice now. Hmm. Um, it's all trees and kaleidoscopes, and it's totally a little experience. It's really lovely. Have a listen. Waking life is harder to Sun. 
is not a stage show or a song or a poem or clever rhyme. Love is not dainty or elegant or eloquent or fragile. Love is not shop bought, dropped jaws, fluttered heart or butterfly cut. Love is not narrow but vast, big and bold, cumbersome and blundersome, and mostly silent. Derry artist, We Are Aerials, with the vocals there from Paddy Nash. The track is called Love Is, and it's from the album Maps, which is out now on Bandcamp. And you can find both Ships and We Are Aerials on Bandcamp. So off you scoot, go on, buy some experiential sounds, they're gorgeous. Uh, we Are Ariel sent me that um, during the week and I was transfixed. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, now for something completely different. I've led you down into the lovely hypnotic state and now we're going to have a chat about a band, well, a series of bands that are literally the opposite. Okay, (laughs) I wanted to have a look at um, there's a guy that I really like. His name is Leah Sawadi and he is in the band, the Fat White. Well, he's in Fat White Family is in the moon landings and he pops up all over the place, including rumor has it in a Hyundai ad or a Kia ad or some sort of Jeep ad. Well, basically, I see this ad every time and I'm like, that looks like Leah Sawadi. And I went on Twitter to find out if it was him and loads and loads of people have been tweeting the same thing. And he has released a statement going, it isn't me. Jesus. (laughs) But uh, it's a bit of fun anyway. So once upon a time, I was producing an OB, which is a radio or TV speak. It's an outside broadcast. And it was happening in the Workman's Club in Dublin. And the lineup was excellent, if I say so myself. Uh, One of the bands on the list were Fat White Family. Um, They are a band that I really do have an unnatural affinity with. The kind of the energy of them reminds me of the Gallagher brothers at their most dangerous. Um, Anybody who's Irish who hears me say Gallagher and wants to kill me, I understand this completely. But Liam and Noel like to be called Gallagher, so I follow suit with what they would like to be called. Anyway, that was an aside. Um, Fat White Family, they're seedy punk uh, gritty, dirty, filthy. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so the lads, they have a reputation. Um, they didn't disappoint and they were kind of intimidating, but actually really underneath it, they weren't. They had just been on a bender for a number of, I think, weeks. They were kind of like a marauding pack. So they're downstairs in the green room downstairs, which is underneath the stage in the workman's. And um, so I got talking to Leas and He said to me that they grew up, him and his brother, who's also in the band, grew up in Galway for the first six years of their life. Uh, Well, six years of his life. And then they moved to Cookstown in Northern Ireland, where he spent his teenage years before hopping over to London on a scholarship. So, yeah, that means they are claimed by us, aren't they? Doesn't it? Yeah, let's do that. Um, So back to the Workmans. This was live radio and the band needed to be on stage the band had not sound checked, which I can hear anyone listening to the podcast who understands backline and radio broadcasts will be like, oh, Jesus Christ. So they hadn't sound checked. It was chaotic, a uh, wonderful kind of rock and roll chaos where it's going to go horrendously or brilliantly. And I obviously didn't know which and I was in charge. Um, so it was nerve wracking. Anyway, basically, the chaos of herding an inebriated rock and roll band from the toilets has to be up there with like some inner Irish mammy chasing the lads up the stairs with a brush. Like, honestly, I even pulled up one of the band's trousers. I did his belt up. 
I pulled up his pants and did his belt up. Yes, that's exactly what I did. I was very focused on making sure there was no dead air. <laughs> I was out of body and just knew this is how it has to happen to get them on stage. Anyway, the band went on and whilst the time was not great on the radio waves, the gig was epic. So Elias is also in another act. The Moon Landings. Um, the Moon Landings started life as a fictional band uh, with, um, they're called Sheffield's Eccentronic Research Council. <laughs> and uh, Leas took on the role of Johnny Rocket. Uh, so it was a fictionalised character in the band. But they were really, really successful and they went on to release an album in 2017 called Interplanetary Class Classics. And the album is brilliant and uh, their live performances are brilliant. It, they give Iggy Pop, Leos gives Iggy Pop a run for his money sometimes in his out there kind of energy. I saw them at Body and Soul a number of years ago and like they were the only act for that entire uh, festival that I was like, I am not missing this act. Uh, out comes Leos, cling filmed to a woman. So imagine two people stand together and someone wraps them up in cling film. Uh, the woman happened to be his mother and uh, the crowd were instantly hooked. And again, another epic gig. So with that in mind, this is why I love them. Uh, love Leas, love Fat White Family, love the Moon Landings. And a third song I've picked is actually from the insanely good Raff Rundell's album, which I'll tell you more about in just a jiffy. Here's Fat White Family with Whitest Boy on the Beach. The opening to this track is such a strut.
There's a flavour of Leah Suadi with Whitest Boy on the Beach, which you heard first. Followed by the moon landings, Black Hands. And that last clip was from the former Two Bears member, Raf Rundell, with Ample Change. And that's from his brand new album, OM Days, which is definitely an album to buy for outdoor weather. Sipping pints and chatting with mates. Yeah. You can see what's on my mind, can't you? Speaking of outdoors, um, I realise the podcast will have covered quite a few genres this week, but that's good. Like, that's how my musical brain works. I think it's how everybody works, really. Um, I'm going to end with a foursome of electronic tunes from artists that I'm really into right now. Starting with Irish artist A. Mac, who released an EP called Class Exercises a few weeks ago. It's class. It is class. The track I chose is my fave on the EP called New Friend. And Aoife, who wrote it, has said that lyrically it's on the nose tale of a new and exciting relationship and new friend and not being ready to commit to anything real. Not being able to face the fear that she had that uh, came with labelling her sexuality and bringing it into her everyday life, keeping it in a dark, sexy, manic dreamscape to explore it in. So I do get that. I get that when you're trying to figure yourself out and you don't know what language or words to use because once you utter them out loud your life can kind of take on something and change forever so anyway the song is really cool and the video is wild I have a huge fear of clowns okay so I have only been able to watch a couple of minutes of it not even a couple of seconds of it um I just I can't there's a big there's a clown in it and Aoife and the clown are driving all around the place Dundalk Dublin everything um and I my fear of clowns comes from a horrible babysitter who decided it would be a really good idea to introduce me to it so yeah can't cope with clowns um anyway enjoy the track
That's a bit tasty. I hope you liked it. Foursome there. The last clip was Opeto by Destino and Destino is the alter ego of French producer Yuxik. I am a huge fan of Yuxik. At my gigs and a lot of, uh, well, every DJ gig, I will at least play one to two of the tracks he's remixed or been involved in or his own tracks. Destino, though, his alter ego, it's much more, it's minimalist and it's dreamy and it's lovely. And before that, you heard a stunning clip from Irish producer Paddy Chambers called Natiki. I actually discovered uh, that from Nile or Nine. Another great resource for Irish music. Uh, Previous that, it was Fred again with Angie, I've Been Lost. And his album is just out as well. I love it. He seems to be a collector. He he collects moments. He's recording snippets of conversations and sampling them over euphoric beats. Sometimes there's chilled ambient stuff. So the album is called Actual Life, April 14th to December 17th, 2020. It also features what in my mind is song of the year, Maria, We've Lost Dancing. Uh, it certainly will be up there I'd say in my top five songs of the year by the time you get to the end of it um, that's it for this week such huge thank you for you all for listening and putting up with my whimsy um, thank you so much to Lee O'Toole for joining me and having all the chats congratulations go to Declan O'Rourke who was on the podcast last week he hit number two in the overall charts and number one in the Irish charts with his brand new album Arrivals which got huge reception I'm delighted for him if you fancy listening back to any of the podcasts they're all handily on Spotify duh Uh, but please subscribe to the podcast and share Um, I'm doing this for the love of it I'm not making any money and so any help spreading the podcast is seriously appreciated the podcast playlist is available on Spotify and please also purchase music from the artists that you discover have a gorgeous week I'll be back next week full of more tunes and thoughts and I'm going to leave you now with a little bit of an extended uh, clip of my favourite song of all time Donna Summer I Feel Love bye bye